Steve, take it away, my friend. Looking forward to it. Hey. Bless you. Are you excited? Okay. I'm only going to preach to this side of the church because that side is not interested. Okay? No. Are you enjoying James? Sure. So my preach today is on chapter 4, so we'll only be here until about 4 o'clock. Okay. God's good. Amen. And I, I believe we're really learning a lot. And um, I don't know, I think that we, we, we're just brushing the surface of how much God loves us. And we, we look at the book of James and we think, well, oh, it's, it's a hard book. But, you know, it's a book so full of love that it's an amazing book. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to be doing chapter 4, but I've got, I'm going to ask Peter to come up. And Peter's going to read chapter 4 for you. And we're reading from um, the semi-anointed book. We're reading from the, the New King James Version. Thanks, Steve. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 15. Deuteronomy (laughs) 15, that's it. (laughs) Now you can see. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Do you not lust and, and not have? Sorry, you lust and do not have? You murder and covet and cannot obtain? You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know what, that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy, but he gives more grace, therefore. He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge one another? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city. Spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your, in your, in your arrogance, and such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Amen. Thank you, Peter. Thank you so much. I've got an alternative title. So, we, yeah, we're James, we're Living Faith. So my alternative title today is 
Why can we not get on with each other? Why can't we just live in perfect harmony? Now, remembering right back in in, uh, chapter 1, James was talking to who? Leon, I think you've got to do chapter 1 again. (laughs) Okay, he was talking to the Christians, the Jewish Christians that were scattered abroad. So he's not talking to the heathen. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to you and me. And he's saying, why can't we, why is there wars and conflicts and disarray in our lives with each other? Gone quiet. You see, we, I, I had to look at it today and I said, this weekend, we are proud We are full of pride. Even if we think we're humble. Even if we think that we, oh no, I'm I'm okay, you know. I got news for you. You're proud. Just because you think you're okay, that tells me you're proud. Amen. So how do we do this? How do we do this walk? How can we do it so that we're not always in conflict with each other and with ourselves? Because I think sometimes I'm in conflict with me. I war with me. I war within me to do things that I know are not right. Okay. So James chapter 4 continues very much from James chapter 3. If we... But James asks a question. Why do we war? Where do these conflicts come from? They come from within. Last week, Jonathan was telling us what? What's your tongue? The tongue, the Bible tells us that the tongue has the the ability to bring life or death. What we do with our being changes the atmosphere. In last week, we saw in, that a godly wisdom produces peace. Where do we see that? In James chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. By those who make peace. In contrast to a heavenly wisdom, which we were talking about last week, in contrast to a heavenly wisdom that produces an atmosphere of peace in which the seed of righteousness will grow, earthly wisdom causes chronic interpersonal warfare that, and the source of which is our contentious, selfish nature. Not so lacquer. Eh? Not so lacquer. You see, if we want to live in peace uh, within ourselves and with others, we first of all have to put put aside the worldly wisdom, the wisdom of the world, the things that we desire and want. You know, I, I look at it and I think, Lord, help us to be less selfish. 
James is very strong here that our own inner nature is the cause of conflict and war. The reason why I don't get on with Greg is not because of Greg, it's because of things within me. It could be. So I am jealous of him, of his anointing, of his, of his ministry. I'm not, by the way, but <laughs> better be careful here. Could be in trouble. But you see, that doesn't come from, it doesn't come from Greg. It doesn't come from the other person. It comes from a warring within me that causes me to be in conflict with Greg. Amen? It's, it's me. It's my attitude. It's the way I see things in life that causes conflict and warfare amongst us. Besides what conflict and stuff is, we have with the world. James 4.4 4 says that what? That we're adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? You see, the word adulterer in, in, in the anointed version, it only has adultery. It doesn't say adulteress. It, because it, 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 it alludes to the Old Testament, where in the Old Testament, to be an adulterer was not just physical with, uh, between husband and wives or spouses. It was also between Israel and God. And that's what, that's what the James is talking about here, that we are adulterers because we run after the things of the world and not of the things of God. And the Bible tells us that we can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. We need to make a choice. So... I only read half of my statement there. but So if we, if we are adulterers, adulterers, do not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself to be an enemy of God. Not Greg makes me an enemy of God or Grant makes me an enemy of God. Me, myself. Me, myself, and I. We, because of the warring and the conflict that is within us, can put us at enmity or as an enemy of God. Is there anybody here that wants to be an enemy of God? No hands. How amazing is that we we know and we understand that God loves us so much, but at these times in our lives that we are drawn so much to the worldly things that it puts us at enmity with God. Matthew 6, verse 24 says what? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God or mammon. Mammon means the world. You can't serve God and mammon. We need to choose. You know, it's almost like to get to a place where we, I don't want to say too legalistic and say, you have to live a really holy life. We will make mistakes. But 1 John 1.9 says that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just 
to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So yes, we'll make mistakes, but the idea is to begin to move and to walk in a way where we are uh, submitting to God and not to things of the world. Okay. But thank God that God is God. Amen? Thank God that God is God and that he, verse, um, I think it's six, he says that he gives us more grace. I'm glad about that. Grant, I'm glad about that because if he was just to give me grace, I might not have enough. But he gives me more grace, more than enough. So he gives me the grace to repent, to turn around and to change. He gives me that grace that just proves without a shadow of a doubt that he is a loving, caring father. Or on this Mother's Day could be a mother. Loving, caring. Can you just think of your mother? Look, think back how loving and caring and nurturing they were. But this book is sometimes a little bit... But didn't your parents sometimes just be a little... I know mine were. Otherwise, I don't think I'd be here. So how do we deal with our own selfish nature? And I don't think I'm selfish, but I am. Because I want things my way. You know, I could sing, you know, Frank Sinatra. I'm not going to sing, okay. But I did it my way. You know, and it's my way or the byway. Well, you know what? God says, well, there's the byway. Because he doesn't stop you from doing it your way. But he says, my way is ordered of the Lord. It's perfect. It is, it, it, there is plan and a purpose in my way. In your way, you're going to fall, you're going to battle, you're going to have problems. There's some simple steps in this scripture that tell us how we can change and live a different life. There's actually a whole bunch. We could, we could preach on chapter 4, I think, for at least eight weeks. Because there is so much in it. And we're, we're kind of breezing over it, but there's so much that we have to understand that in James the first thing we have to do is we need to submit to God. You see, we read that scripture and it says, submit to God and resist the devil. And we say, devil, I resist you. No, no, no. First, submit to God. Submit to God first. You see, we don't like that. We don't like having to submit to anything or anyone. I read the story again, and it's an old, old story. But there's, a, there's this huge, big battleship, the USSA Ulysses or whatever. It's a big battleship, and it's out in the ocean, and it's sailing away. And there's lights in the, in, on the ocean, and the, the admiral of the fleet says a message and a thing. Ship, a high change. Your degree, change 10, 10 degrees south and comes back from that light. It says, no, you change 10 degrees north. 
And the admiral gets all upset and puffed up and says, I am the admiral of the fleet, and I am a battleship, and you will move 10 degrees south. And the guy comes back and he says, well, I'm Petty Officer Jones, and I'm telling you to move 10 degrees south. And the guy says, I'm a battleship, I'm going to blow you. He said, I'm a lighthouse, you better move. You see, we, can't, we mustn't think of ourselves too highly. We mustn't get puffed up and think that we are ooh, on the admiral of the fleet. Because we can still be in error. We can still be wrong. We can still be drifting in the wrong place. And that is very, very difficult. So the only way that we can do this is that we need to submit to God. How do we do that? How do, you, how do you submit to God? You know, it's like, well, when you're going to make a decision in life, who do you discuss it with? With your spouse? With your wife? With your children? With your friends? With the leaders of this church, which are incredibly powerful and, and uh, strong in the word. You should... First of all, be asking God. You see, if God's not in it, I don't want to go. Amen? If God's not in it, then I don't want to go that way. Don't get me wrong. There's times when I do. I make mistakes. We all make mistakes. That's not what God's trying to say here. He's going to say, submit yourself to me. Submit yourself to the things that I have, the plans and purposes that I have for you. And the plans and purposes that I have for you are not to harm you, but to prosper you. To cause you to live in a better way. So we need to submit to God in everything. Everything. So you've got to work tomorrow. Do you submit to God and work? Do you ask God to help you with your job? Because you, do you, you know, you've got conflict with people in your, in your office. Do you ask God to help you with that? Because you need to, have, you need to submit in every area of your life. We like the idea of resisting the devil. But we don't like the idea of first submitting to God. But if you don't submit to God, the devil will never flee from you. He'll never flee from you. He's going to laugh at you. He's going to say, who are you? I mean, even in the word it says, Paul I know, Apollos I know. You? Who are you? The demons will not listen to you if, you don't, if you're not submitted to God. So we receive, we resist evil to submit to God. And we resist Satan by submitting to God. How awesome is that? We resist evil in order to submit to God. And we resist Satan by submitting to God. 
Resisting evil, the war and the, and the conflicts that rage within us means considering others first. Remember week two. Can you remember? I mean, we've already spoken a little bit about week one, but can you remember week two? I know it was two weeks ago, but it's week two. Can you remember week two? Greg, you need to preach it again. Greek two says that there's a royal law in Greek two, in, in chapter two. Can you remember what that royal law is? No. Okay. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, we're so puffed up and proud about who we are and what we are that we don't consider the other. But to submit to God means that we consider our neighbor. We consider those around us, those that we work with, those that we live with, those that we come in contact with day by day. Those are the people that we need to love. We need to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that is... The easy, to me, that's the way of submitting to God is by, first of all, considering others. So in humility, and really that's what we're looking at, humility and looking out for others, we can resist the warring and the conflicts within us. So by considering others, we will not be at a conflict all the time. Why? Because... We're not worrying about our desires. We're worrying about, or, not, or we're considering other things. Conflict within us by checking whatever we are saying and doing, what effect will it have on others and myself? And if it will not bring, if it will bring hurt or conflict, don't do it. Last week we were talking about that we need to control the tongue, but it's also our, our thought patterns and our desires and our, our attitudes towards others. We need to con- bring those into containment, and when we do that, then we submit to God. So if you're going to say something, Tony, I'm, if I'm going to say something to you, it needs to be something that's going to uplift you, encourage you, build you, not something that's going to break down or hurt. If it's going to break down our hurt, we mustn't say it. Mustn't do it. What, who's that slogan where it says, just do it? Well, you know, that's not the way we need to live. We can't just do it. We need to consider others. And when we consider others, that's how we will be submitting to God. As we submit to God, the next step. So we've, we're submitting to God when we are Resisting the devil. He will lift us up. The next thing is that we need to draw near to God. That's what the word of God says in chapter 4. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Okay, so I'm just under six foot, so I, I take a step. It's about three quarters of a meter, a meter. God is, that we've sang today, he's magnificent. He's, he's huge. How big a step is he going to take towards you? Because it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So I take a little step. He takes a little step for him, which is, he's right here. I love that one song that says that he's, he's, he's far away, but he's, you, you can't see how close he is. 
Because he's right here. As we draw near to God, that's when he draws near to us. I do believe that he never leaves us or forsakes us. So even when we're not drawing near to him, he's still there. But he's waiting for you to draw near to him. You see, we can't submit to God and resist the devil if we do not, first of all, draw near to God. We need to have a relationship with God. If you're in this place today and you have never, or even online, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, do not leave this place today without making right with God. Because Jesus is the standing point. Drawing near to God is the most important thing that we will ever do in our lives. How do we do that? How do we draw near to God? Three simple little steps. Number one. Can anyone guess what number one is? No. How about prayer? How do you draw close to your spouse? By being in two separate rooms and ignoring each other? Or by drawing next to each other and conversing one with another? That's exactly what prayer is. Prayer is not some uh, highly religious, overly holy thing. It is a conversation between a father and a son or a daughter. And I have two beautiful daughters. And man, can they talk. Especially when they want something. They can talk. But you know, as a loving, caring father, I would listen. And then say no. But I would listen. (laughs) Prayer, Prayer is the most important thing. It is, you know, if we don't have a prayer life, if we do not have a time when we set aside a time to spend with our Father, then how are you ever going to be able to submit to God? If you don't know Him and don't trust Him, how are you ever going to be able to submit to Him? Pray. These are not, this is not rocket science that James is telling us here. It's, these are simple things. The second one. Must know what the second one is, because I'm preaching. It must be the Word. Amen. If you don't read the Word, how are you ever going to resist the devil? How are you, when Jesus was taken into the, uh, the wilderness by the Spirit, and he was tested by the devil, he was tested with the Word. Three times. The devil quoted scripture to him or told him things that God had said. And he knew, because he knew scripture, because he knew what God was truly saying, he was able to resist the devil. If you don't know the word, people, it's, it's impossible to know God. This is God. It says that in, in John chapter 1, it says that the Word was made flesh 
And that's Jesus. Jesus is the word. This word is Jesus. As we read this, as we get to know what God is trying to tell us, from, the, from Genesis to Revelation, Jesus is revealed. If we, and it's amazing, there is nothing that is going on today, including COVID-19, that the world has not faced before, and that the Bible doesn't cover. The Bible covers it. So we need, we need to know the Word of God. Third one. Goes right back to James chapter 1 again as well. Is what? It's obedience. We've prayed. We've read the Word. God's spoken to us through the Word in prayer. Obedience, then doing what God has told us to do. Being doers of the word, as James 1.22 tells us. We need to be doers of the word. That means that when God speaks to us, we need to be proactive. It's an active thing. It's not something that, you know, it's not like, oh, okay. I'll sit here and I'll wait for God to do it. That's not what it is. It's an active thing. God, what have you called me to do? Well, you've been... Arguing with Lori. Go to Lori and say, Lori, I am so sorry. You see, the action then is what brings us the victory. Read the word. Pray and be obedient. Three simple things. This, this, um, this chapter is so full of God's simple, loving Caring grace. You see, submit to God. Draw close to God. He'll take care of the rest. That's, that, that's the, what excites me the most is that as I do the things that I believe God's calling me to do, moving into the, the areas that God wants me to move into, He takes care of the rest. Everything, every area of my life, he takes care of when I'm doing what he's called me to do. Amen. You're still here? Okay, we're coming, in. we're coming into a landing because we don't have an awful lot of time. But verses 13 and 16, I really, you know, like, they talk about making a plan, going to another city, and spending a year there and buying and selling if they buy and sell, I hope they buy and sell through Pam Golding. But if they're buying and selling and they're doing these things, but God says, but what if, if your life is over tomorrow? What have you accomplished? Now, don't get me wrong. If God tells you to go to another city, that's different. But you see, this is not talking about this. This is talking about God telling, not, you not consulting God. Not submitting to God. To just take you do it. A typical South African saying is what? A boramaka plan. We'll make a plan. Well, you know what? You can't make a plan better than God. God can make a better plan and has a better plan for each and every one of us. And we need to submit to that plan. And 
You know, it, it almost sounds like, well, you've got to submit to God and it's going to be all right. It's still going to have trials and tribulations. And you have to do what in, joy, in verse 1? You have to count it all joy when that happens. Things are not going to be rosy all the time. But you need, and God's not looking for robots. He's not looking for you to just do, he, but he, he gives you the desires of your heart. Where, where is your heart? Is your heart in the world or is your heart with God? Because if your heart is with God, he will only bless you with good things. Matthew 6, 34 tells us not to worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Why? There's enough evil in today. In other words, there's enough problems in Sunday, May the 9th, that you don't need to or shouldn't be worrying about Monday, May the 10th, just yet. There's in, you need to trust God. You need to let God be God in your life. And I guarantee you that the future that God has for you and I is far greater than the future that you could develop yourself. He has a greater plan, a greater purpose for every single one of us. It doesn't matter whether we're young, medium, or, or old. It doesn't matter. God loves us. He has, and he still has, the reason that you're here is that God still has a plan and a purpose for you. Finishing off, I think that verse 17 is a a verse that we could probably preach at least for four weeks on. Because there is so much in this one little verse. And this one little verse says what? It says this. If you know what is right and a good thing. Okay, I thought I'd written it down. I haven't. I just want to go to Did I write it up there? No. Sorry. Okay. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him is sin. If you know you shouldn't be doing it, don't do it. What a beautiful way to end the message. Amen? If you know that it's not good for you, it's not good for someone else. Don't do it. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Shall we pray? Father God, we just thank you that we are able, because of your love and your more abundant grace, toward us, we are able to submit to you for how mag- because of how magnificent, how powerful, how strong, how loving, how faithful you are. We submit to you. And by submitting to you, by drawing closer to you, each and every one of us will be able to resist the evil desires the warfare and the conflict within us, towards ourselves and towards us. I thank you, Father, this morning that you will help each and every person in this place to develop a greater, closer 
walk with you. And as they do that, Father, that you would then take a step closer to them and another step closer, and that you would just envelop them with your love, your grace, and your mercy. And we thank you for that. But it would be amiss of me to not continue in what I said earlier, that if you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity this morning, whether it's online or whether it's here in the, in the congregation, or maybe you've made a commitment to God at some time, but you've stepped back, you've moved, moved away. You're not drawing closer to God. You've moved away. Then if that's you, I would like you, please, to, and in fact, I think everybody in the congregation, if you would please just repeat after me this simple prayer. Father God, I thank you this morning that you're my loving, saving Father. Sorry. Father, we thank you that today is the day that I give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into my life, to take complete control. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Amen.